everyone. Welcome back to Blue and Gold, a Superman and Booster Gold podcast, episode number five. So today for the Superman portion of the show, I want to talk about <clears throat> just this past week, um, actually I think just um, two days ago, the two-parter, the two-parter um, movie, Death of Superman and Reign of the Supermen, was released as one long movie by Warner, by uh, the Warner um, Warner Brothers Animation. And I had been waiting for this Blu-ray for a while because, <clears throat> pardon me, back when Superman, when in 2017, when they announced the two-part that they were going to be adapting Superman, Death of Superman, and Reign of the Supermen, and they were going to be splitting, and it's going to be was going to be two movies. Right from the very beginning, I knew that there was going to be a sing, like it was going to be edited into a single movie after it was released. That's what they had done with the Dark Knight Returns with Batman. They released part one, and then a few months later, four or five months later, they released part two. And then a few months after that, they released them both edited together into one long movie. So I knew that it was going to be the case. That was so. That doesn't mean when when Death of Superman came out towards um, fall of last year, fall of 2018, I might have watched that. Um, I might have watched it through certain means. I, but I, I knew I was going to buy it. So I wasn't, I didn't feel bad about how I watched it. And then I believe it was January when Reign of the Superman was coming out. And that was coming out that they had announced a Fathom, a Fathom showing, one of the Fathom Entertainment showings where they do, they'll show special screenings of movies. And every now and then they'll do a screening of one of those, um, one of the DC Animated Universe movies. Usually it's a Batman one. But they were doing a two, they were doing a double feature, Death of Superman, immediately followed by Reign of the Superman. So I jumped on that, got my tickets. So I went and watched that. And it was, it, it, it was very cool. It was very cool to see, um, well, it's always awesome to go to the theater and see Superman regardless of what it is but it was very cool i'd already seen death superman so to have the premiere my my personal premiere seeing reign of the superman on the screen was pretty awesome now i have issues with that movie i'm going to talk about them in a little bit but overall i was i thought that was very cool it was still shown as a true double feature and not a single movie where there was even there was a break in between the two movies. They had, um, I believe, it was five minutes. What's funny? They actually put a clock on the screen counting down, so you knew how how much time you had to go to the bathroom or to the concession stand or whatnot. So that was that was um, early this year, and they announced the double feature, or they announced the edited version, that the death and return of Superman was going to be coming out, and. I believe sometime in June or July it was an, it was announced that it was going to be coming out in October. And that and it came out October 1st. It came out 2 days ago. And I had pre-ordered it on Amazon and Amazon said it was not going to be delivered on the day of release. 
and if I want to cancel it. So hell yeah, I want to can I, I, I want to get that movie day of release. So I cancel it. Drive to our local Target here in town. Well, first I look up, and we have a Best Buy and Target in town. And I looked it up. They both had them. They both had the movie, or according to online. But I had to pick up some milk, so went to Target. And looking at the new release, it just came out that day. I'm looking, looking. I'm like, where is this freaking movie? I know it's out. So usually they have the new releases up front by the the, the cashiers, um, the checkout lanes. That's where I've picked up my um, digi books of most of the DC movies, the DC uh, extended DC EU movies. I might talk about I might talk about that um, in a future episode. But needless to say, nowhere to be found. So go back to the, to, to the entertainment section, where and I'm looking through all the movie area, the new releases. I'm looking nowhere to be found. At the down at the very bottom of the well, it was still the new releases shelf, thank goodness. But down at the bottom of the sh- down at the bottom shelf of the new releases, there it was, Death and Return of Superman. Oh, yes, but it was the um, it was the collector's edition that comes with the, with the little steel the little steel figurine, which was fine. I wanted I I didn't want that version, but. That's the only version that they had. I looked around because I don't need... I'm I'm a collector of comic books and nerdy things, but one thing I'm not is really a figurine collector. I've got a Lego set. We have various Lego sets, and I got a really cool one of the um, the recreation of Action Comics number one in Lego. Very awesome. My wife bought that for me. I'll talk about that maybe in a future episode because she did something very cool with that. Um... And I've got a couple of Booster Gold figures. I got a Booster Gold. I have the Booster Gold Funko Pop, which is pretty cool because there's not too many Booster Gold. Um, there's, there's not much Booster Gold um, memorabilia, or, you know, collectibles to get. So, and I thought the Funko Pop was pretty cool. But I, I, I didn't. Even though we had, you know, the blue and gold beetle, blue beetle and Booster Gold. That's the two pack that the Funko is in. I wasn't crazy about I'm, I like Blue Beetle but Booster Gold's my guy but the Booster Gold is only sold as a two-pack so my wife again my awesome wife she's very very awesome I believe for this past Christmas um got me the Booster Gold Booster Gold Blue Beetle Blue Beetle pack but in of the Funko but in general I'm not a a figurine guy so this came with a steel figurine the steel from the from the movie and so i got um picked that up and i gotta say the figurine is not as or the the figurine's not, not as bad as i thought the figurine's pretty cool i don't know where i'm gonna put them but i don't regret getting it it was a few extra bucks according to and now i'm even questioning if they released or if there's even a version of the death and return of superman um that doesn't that doesn't come with the figurine um, I was looking. I'm now. I'm not entirely sure. So if anybody out there has seen in the wild or picked up or um, has ha- knows that there is a uh, version without the figurine, I'd be curious. But one thing that I didn't notice until yesterday, it come. It came in a um, the box, and it has the movie inside of the box, and then there's the figurine. But the box, it's a limited edition, quote unquote. It's it says that they released 
like 52,000 um copies of the of this collector's edition and that's why i wonder if there is a version that doesn't come come with the figurine because they made 52,000 on one hand that's not a lot but on another hand that is a lot i have like i i saw my number is like 12,000 or something um but they but to produce 52,000 of the collectible that's a that's a good amount so that's what, that's also what makes me wonder if there's even a version out there without that doesn't include the figurine. So let's dive into it. So for those of you who I'm sure are aware, they released a two in 2007 the very first movie of the the DC um, animated universe line of movies. The very first one was Superman Doomsday, and I remember being super excited about this. Oh, they're making an adaptation of the death of Superman. Well, they sort of, sort of. The entire, he has this fight with Doomsday and he dies. And I don't expect them to have much of a, you know, for a friend in a movie because that's the downtime. But they completely changed, in my mind, they completely botched the second half of that movie. I still, I still watch it. I still, I mean, I don't hate anything Superman related, but I'm more of a fan of some things than others. And I'm less of a fan of the Superman Doomsday. The second half of it, um where you have Lex Luthor's, um, I believe it was a clone. I'm trying to remember the exact storyline, but I think he has a clone of Superman. But it's only one, it's not all four. So we had that in 2007, and it was it was okay, but it wasn't... We, we knew there was a better version out there that could be adapted. And then in 2017, the bombshell dropped. <laughs> Joking. In the Superman world, um, in the very niche... Um, not only with Superman World, but with then the hardcore Superman death, death, death of Superman fans, um, we got we found out that they were adapting that they were going to adapt it again, but this time they were going to stay closer to the comic book roots, Death of Superman, Reign of the Superman. Very exciting, but still have the question of are they going to pull this off? Because the 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 storyline, if you have I think it's seven issues of Death of Superman, nine issues of Funeral for a Friend, although, like I said, I, I don't expect them. I, I, I knew they weren't going to, and I didn't expect them to adapt very much at all, other than the funeral from Funeral for a Friend. But then you still got, I don't know, what is it, over 20 issues of Reign of the Superman. So the question was, well, how well are they going to pull this off? And... I'm gonna dive into specifics. I have I just rewatched I rewatched the the edited um the full the full extended cut of the two movies together. I just watched it and I knew that I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. So while I was watching it, I was taking notes. I have all kinds of notes here. I'm just gonna step through my notes here in a minute and go through the but general impressions of the movies. I think they did a good job. Um. I really liked Death of Superman, the first half of the movie, even more than when I saw it. It it doesn't feel when it's when it's part of a larger story, and you see Superman die and come back in the same story. I think it's more satisfying than just to have a film that ends with him dying. It's sort of just a downer. Um, for whatever reason, it's basically, I mean, there's a couple of extended scenes, and I'll talk about those in a second in this in this version, but 
it's basically the same movie that I saw when it first came out, the, the first half of the movie, the Death of Superman portion, and it was, it, it worked much better for me this time. Um, Rain and the Superman is still really fun to see the four Supermen. They did, they, they, they did it. They adapted all four. They adapted Superboy, and they don't shy away from his design, and it's exactly from the comics. It's awesome, minus earring, and then they adapted, or, um, you got Cyborg Superman. He doesn't look exactly the... I mean, it's pretty much Cyborg. Um, you got Steel. And you have the Eradicator. And sure, they had to tweak a little bit of the origins here and there. But they, but they have them. I mean, you have Cyborg Superman. You have Hank Henshaw. You get Henshaw and the Excalibur. Um, the Space Shuttle. And you get a little bit of his... A little bit of his origin. It doesn't happen exactly the way that it happened in the comic books, but you get Hank freaking Henshaw. Who would have thought that we get an adaptation and they go all out? Or the Eradicator. Um, we had Steel in Superman the Animated Series, so he was, he's not new, but you got you literally got Superboy and Dabney Donovan. So it, there's a lot of fan service going on, a lot of a, a, a lot of things to make. I mean, that's what they said. They said they were going to make a more comic-accurate version, adaptation of the storyline, and they did that for sure. They But they deviated big time in the second half with Reign of the Superman. But, I mean, maybe you had to because you still had to fit it in within a 90-minute within a movie. So they had to make some concessions. So let's dive into... Let's start diving into my notes. And they basically, my notes pretty much go in order of the movie because I was free-flowing. I was writing these notes as I was watching the movie. So um, they're going to pretty much go in order. Although, you know, sometimes my train of thought goes away or comes back later. So they're not entirely in order. But I'm going to talk about them. And the first thing I want to talk about, so we have, for the voice of Superman, we have Jerry O'Connell. And you might know him from Stand By um stand by me as a kid actor um joe's apartments from the mtv movie in the 90s but his face is still going to be the most familiar to me as i don't remember the character's name but the main character from the pretty cool sci-fi series although to be honest i don't think it holds up entirely all that well but the um the science fiction series sliders that was a really cool series my dad liked that and it was on when i was in middle school, I th um, and it ran actually much longer than I realized, but my dad watched the first couple seasons, and I would watch a lot of it with him, so for me, he's always, I always reckon, I always know him from the, as, the, my first thought of him as the, is, is the main character from Sliders. His wife, Rebecca Romaine, not Rebecca Romaine Stamos, as still feel like I'm used to calling her, or, or thinking about her, but she's not married to John Stamos anymore, she's married to Jerry O'Connell, and, uh, she plays Lois Lane. And I think they both do... Uh, Rebecca Romaine does really well. I think Jerry O'Connell does really well as well, especially in the first half during the Death of Superman portion where he's there's a lot more Clark Kent. There's very little Clark Kent in the second half of the movie. I mean, Superman's dead, so that man, uh, Clark's, Clark's missing, um, quote-unquote missing, as a, as a casualty of the Superman doomsday fight. But I think Jerry O'Connell made a really good super or a really good Clark. But his Superman, he, 
his voice could be a little deeper for Superman. I feel like he could do... I don't know if he would sound silly or not, but I'd like to hear him try to do the um, Bud Collier lowering your voice when you're Superman. And so maybe Jerry O'Connell would have his regular voice as Clark Kent and maybe try to lower it a little bit for Superman. Now, would that work? I don't know. I mean, maybe they tried it and it didn't work. But I think he did a, uh, I think he did a good job. But I do think that his Superman sort of lacks that punch, that, that, that base. I mean, not that Superman has a deep voice. He doesn't have a deep voice, but he has to have a commanding voice. And I don't know that he quite pulls it off, but it's, it's still overall pretty good. Um, the animation is gorgeous. I mean, if you look at this movie versus the 2007 Superman Doomsday, and at the time, Superman Doomsday was a big step up from what we were from what we had seen in in the Superman the animated series, but it, but this makes the the, the death of, the death and return of Superman makes Superman Doomsday look like a TV show. The animation is crisp and vibrant and robust in and it's there's lots of they they didn't skimp on it. I was there was a scene there's a scene that I took particular note of when Clark is. He has Lois over for dinner, and Ma and Pa are there, and he's introducing Lois to Ma and Pa, and they're out on the balcony talking. I believe it was Superman and Ma. I, I don't think it was Superman and Lois. Wait. Superman and Ma, they were out talking on the balcony, and just the the background, because, I mean, the foreground, you're watching these characters talk, but the background, it's a it's a dusk sky, and the background, the, the city skyline, the... The lights in the buildings behind the animation is really gorgeous. I think um, Rain Wilson as Lex Luthor, he does a really good job. The first time I was watching this movie, back when it came out, so the first half, I felt like I could really just. Sometimes it's distracting when a, when a celebrity's voice you pick out from, you can pick out and you can't really separate them and get invested in the animated character because all you're picturing is the actor sometimes i have that problem not always but sometimes i have that problem and i feel like i had that problem when i first watched this movie death of superman and i could just see and hear dwight even though he doesn't he's not silly he's lex he's very serious but i felt like i could just see dwight Schrute um from the office but this second time it worked for me i i, I think i think rain rain wilson does a, a pretty good job one other note that I had was the my issue with the lack of a theme. There is no good, there is no Superman theme from this for this movie. Um, it's there's there's this music. I mean that's a tr that's a trend, just not just in animated movies, but just in movies in general of um, moving away. I mean we've been we've been we've moved away from big bombastic John Williams style themes for a while now. But usually there's a there's a theme, bad or good. Um, Superman re Doomsday had a theme. Superman versus the Elite used the same theme, so it kind of made it feel like the same. It had a continuity there. And even Superman Unbound, from what I remember, had a theme. But this this didn't have a Superman theme or a rousing. I mean, it had a score. It was fine. But the music the music wasn't a standout, and that's. That's a little disappointing when it comes to Superman. I like to have 
even if like I don't have a soundtrack worth of good music, at least if you can get a th- good theme out of a cartoon or uh, or a movie, then I feel like you got a winner in the music department. But this movie didn't really have a theme, um, so that's that's sort of a bummer. Um, I don't like the the new Fifty Two style ever since um, Justice League War start. At, well. So the DC animated universe, they had Flashpoint, and then they went into Justice League War, and it's been pretty cool. It's have a you have a uh, a shared universe within these DC animated movies that have gone back a while now, three four years. Justice League War feels like it came out a while ago, but the you you have the new Fifty Two high collar look. And the black S on the back of the cape. Although, kudos for them for even putting S on the back of the cape at all. But it's a black one, which I'm not a huge fan of. And the high collar look. No trunks. Uh, this might be controversial, but I don't... I'm, I don't... I could take or leave the trunks. I'm not... like the. I think the suits work well without the trunks, to be honest. Um... Not in the super, not in the, not in, I don't think just the belt, I don't know, the belt has to be drawn in a aesthetically pleasing way if you're not going to have the trunks. Um, I usually like to have, see some yellow incorporated into, like, into the belt area, but I can go without trunks, so the, the lack of trunks in this, it's fine with me, but the high collar look, I'm just not a big fan of. Um, but... I mean, that, that gets fixed later on in the movie. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, the New 52 look, eh, not for me. I would rather... So, in the original, all of us are nerds. If you're listening to this, if you, if you found this podcast, you're a nerd like me. Um, so, the, the just, so, we are pretty, probably all familiar with, or at least have read, or have some idea of the original Death of Superman comic. And the Justice League that was going on during that time period in comics was the Bwahaha, J.M. DeMatteis and Keith Giffen Justice League. Um, at this, though, at this point of the Death of Superman, Dan Jurgens had taken over and was writing Justice League. And in this movie, we get, and so in in the comic, you have sort of the B-list Justice League characters, the Booster Gold, um, Blue Beetle, Maxima, Ice, and um, Bloodwind. And so, I mean, this is a Superman Booster Gold podcast. I would have loved to have this incarnation of the Justice League um, and Booster Gold. Not because I have any strong affinity for this version of the Justice League. I mean, I do really like this version, actually, Um, especially the run, the, like, 10 or 15 issues in the 60s and 70s, I believe, um, of that run written written by Dan Jurgens. But they wanted to stick with... You'd have to do the introductions, and who are these characters if you really wanted to do a true, true, true to the comics adaptation. And so I understand. I'm, I would have liked to have seen the original Justice League from the comics, but... The Justice League that we get, the classic Justice League that we've had since Justice League War, Batman, Wonder Woman, um, Green Lantern, Flash, and Cyborg's there as well. Um, these are established characters in this universe. 
as I said, it's a shared universe. So you've had multiple movies with these characters. Most of them have gotten their own movie. So you don't have to establish who they are. So they get to do a, the filmmakers get to do a little bit of a shortcut there. I think it's okay. I would have liked to have seen. I would have liked to have seen the original Justice League from the comics, but this the incarnation of the classic the classic Justice League works well. I I don't have too big of an issue. I think they did a good job using them, and the fights their fight with Doomsday they all get their moment to fight, and their fight with Doomsday was pretty cool. And you see how you see how badass Doomsday is, and how you know you build up that threat of he took out the whole Justice League, and then Superman, and so you know it's going to be knock down, drag out, uh, fist brawl that it ends up being. Um. So the during the Superman Doomsday fight, you have Lex Luthor. He comes in with his own battle exosuit not the exosuit from the comics like a sort of a big tank well not a tank but it and and an ed 209 version or um a suit to put it that's the what's popping in my mind he kind of looks like ed 209 from the robocop movies um lex comes in and tries to fight doomsday i don't i mean this this, this section that that portion of the movie is fine but it, it was it wasn't needed um we already had tons of action so, but, but it was, it was okay seeing that with the, with the, in the fights, but I liked how, I liked how the Eradicator was subtly introduced early on in the movie because you get the sort of hologram, um, Clark, so while Doomsday's, um, being introduced, you're getting intercut and you, and you get introduced to the hologram um from uh superman's ship and that's how and you know that that's going to become the eradicator somehow but it was still pretty cool they did a really good job i think of introducing all of the four supermen in in the first in the first half death of superman so you get the eradicator is introduced as a the hologram from the the ship John Henry Irons is tied in because he works with Silas Stone, who's, um, that, I mean, that, the whole, the, the apocalypse piece, and so the mother boxes, um, Silas Stone is, is investigating those, um, and so, um, I don't, I'm not crazy about the apocalypse and do, and dark side, uh, portions of this movie, but that aside, I think having, um, having that shortcut of having John Henry work with Silas Stone works, and it gives a in, and they gave a nod to the first time to the comics version of how Superman saved John Henry, um, so that was that was pretty cool. Um, I I they made a change to Cat Grant. Cat Grant in this movie is um is a black character. She's a black woman, and I think that works perfectly fine. She's they draw her as a they drew her they drew her. Um, animated her as an attractive black woman, and I think that works. I don't think that she was tied to being Caucasian. She was Caucasian in the comics, and a pretty cool character. But I think having her be a black woman here gives gives some diversity, and it works. I don't I don't have I sometimes I can be sometimes it annoys me when they race swap characters, but for Cat Grant here, I think it worked perfectly fine. Um, 
you get so Lex is under house arrest for some crime that we don't even know about before this movie starts. And he sneaks out and he comes back as the long and his disguise is a long red wig and a red a law and a red beard and he looks exactly like this um the Lex Luthor the second from the comic book storyline and it's a cool cool reference they didn't have to throw that in but that is definitely an Easter egg for the fans and I appreciate it I recognize that having a red-haired, a long, long red-haired Lex just would be too confusing for this movie. But they, but they managed to get a, they managed to get a cameo, a uh, reference to that in the storyline, and, and it's very much appreciated. Um, I really like the exosuits that Doomsday, that they, that they have Doomsday in. Um, I love the exosuit from the comics. So the fact that Doomsday is that he spends so much time in his exosuit. Um, slowly getting revealed as he does in the comic books is really freaking awesome. Um, uh, there was a, there's a scene where they're sitting around um, the Justice League is sitting around their um, their meeting table having a having a Justice League meeting and talking about budgets and things. And there's a I just want to I don't want to talk about this for but just for a brief second because there is a hilarious it's probably the funniest thing in the movie is. Batman, um, a joke about Batman needing to go to the uh, PTA meeting uh, because Damien exists in this world, and so there's a really funny gag with the Flash and uh, sort of making fun of Batman for needing to go to a parent-teacher uh, meeting. So I just want to give that a shout out. Um, one thing, it's sort of cool when, so in this movie, Superman and Lois are just. They're dating, and Lois doesn't know that Superman or Clark is Superman, which, by the way, works so much better than the way than in the reverse, which was what they do in Superman or the Superman Doomsday from 2007, where Lois is dating Superman and she doesn't know Superman is Clark, although she pretty much knows, but she needs him to admit it. But how did that even happen? How did Lois start dating Superman? It makes sense for Lois to date Clark; they're co-workers. And but so it works much better for me here, and it's funny because when Lois, when Superman, when Clark lets Lois know that who he is, he she even references um, how unethical he can be, where he wrote stories about himself and sort of made his name for the Daily Planet, writing about Superman and recognizing that he was writing about himself and how unethical that is, and it's pretty funny. It's true too. Superman is held up as the great big boy scout, but he lies to people every single day all day. He's he's one of the great liars of he's he's one he one of the great deceivers of of his of any of the characters in the DC universe because he is constantly lying and manipulating and not letting people know who he really is, which I can't blame him, but I just want to point that out that that <laughs> He isn't the Boy Scout that... Just that fact makes him not the Boy Scout that everybody tries to say he is. So, Superman and Doomsday don't even start fighting. They don't even meet until 55 minutes into this movie. And that's what's really nice. This movie lets... Especially the first half, it lets itself breathe. It gives us... It gives its... it, it It has time, which is pretty nice because... You just you have that time like um, by fifty five minutes into the Superman Doomsday cartoon, 
I think they were already into the third act. Um, and with this being the extended, um, ed- edited together two-part version, by 55 minutes, we're barely a third into the movie. Um, the Superman Doomsday fight is not the climax of the movie. It's a early, it's a relatively early portion of the movie. And so the fact that we have that much time to get to know our characters, get to know Lois and see the relationship and, and, uh, you don't even get into the real thick of it with Superman and Doomsday until 55 minutes in is, is pretty cool. Um, the violence in this movie is pretty brutal, especially Doomsday. Like they do not shy away from showing Doomsday, from showing Doomsday smashing people's heads and and uh, decapitating. Like there's a scene with some with some police officers and Doomsday for sure just crunches one of the um, police officers' heads. And uh, so the violence is, it earns its PG-13 rating and the and Doomsday's violence that's for sure. Shout out to Bibbo. Bibbo is in is in this. Um, not much to say about him, but he has his ace of clubs, and um, it's cool to see Bibbo. A good good representation of Bibbo. Um, uh, Doomsday's once so as his exosuit is revealed, you get the you get those giant. Um, you you find out that he has these. Um, I mean, obviously he's super bony the way that Doomsday should be, and I don't have too many complaints. I think they did a really good job of animating and, and the design of Doomsday, but a couple of couple of nitpicks, a couple of nitpicks here. I'm gonna nick some, I'm gonna pick some nits. Is that sort of I believe how they did it in the New Fifty Two? Doomsday has these his giant spike horns that are coming out of his cheeks, and they just don't work for me. Um, it's, I mean, they cheat a little bit because there's no way those things were under that exosuit. It would poke through. It just wouldn't work. But I'm not crazy about the design. And I don't know about the rest of you out there, but I really like the in the comics the bony the protrusions that go across the eyes. And in this version, I can't recall about in the Superman Doomsday, but in this version, his Doomsday's eyes are completely um, un, unobstructed. And I don't think it's quite as cool. I mean, maybe it would be too messy or too busy in the eye area in animation, and it works better in comics. I guess that could be the case, but. I would have liked to have seen that, I think. Um, so that's one thing. That that, But in general, I think Doomsday works um, pretty well. So let's talk about the Superman Doomsday fight. Um, it's a pretty good fight. I think it's pretty brutal. Um, Doomsday has heat vision, which is uh, not something he had in the original comic. Doomsday's got heat vision. Unexplained heat vision, because in this version he's not even from Krypton so you can't explain away or say that he's got heat vision because he comes from Krypton as he does in the comics he comes from Apocalypse in this version and so but he has heat vision um you get you you get the uh um the you've got me who's got you line uh, definitely a callback to Superman the movie pretty cool I would say, even though I really like in the original comic how it the fight is all during the day, um, but I know that nighttime is more dramatic. So in the they did it in Superman Doomsday, they do it here. They want to have a good portion of the fight at night. But I will say that they do a really good job of transitioning. Whereas in the Superman Doomsday from 2007, I don't think it was. I think it was just it was there wasn't even any daytime. It was all at night here. Doomsday's fight with the Justice League starts in the day, 
and it, and as it goes on, you can tell it's the day is getting longer, and then the two, when Superman shows up, it's um, dusk, and they do a really good job of making it look like dusk. You can tell the sun is going down. It didn't. It wasn't just all of a sudden nighttime, and so. But during the final climax of the fight, it is nighttime. I would have liked to have seen daytime. I think just to be consistent with the comic. But that is a super nerd thing. Like I think anybody else who's not super familiar with the comic who doesn't have that baggage would probably say that having it at night works pretty well. One thing I will say is that I wasn't crazy about how at the climax of the fight, Doomsday's bony protrusions from his his um his fist grew the way that it does in Batman v Superman, and he's going to stab Lois and his 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 um his the protrusion from his fist grows as he's about to stab Lois who had just thrown some rocks at him to distract him from Superman which was pretty brave on her part I gotta say but so I just wasn't crazy about that because it's again a power and an ability that he didn't really have in the comics um it's at this point that Superman just has his rage and he's he knows that he needs to end this fight, and so he breaks Doomsday's neck. He flies at him, sort of punch, punch, fly, punching while flying, hits Doomsday, breaks his neck. Doomsday spins all the way around. His neck cracks. He's dead. Boom. But one thing, and, and the moment worked well, but one thing that undercut the moment was that he, Doomsday, as his head's turning around, as he's, his neck's being broke, his tongue comes out. Like a like a big like 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 when a deer. If if any of you out there have hunters in your family, my dad is a hunter. I've seen dead deer. They have dead deer have their tongue hanging out, and Doomsday's tongue comes flying out of his mouth, and it actually makes it a little bit more comedic. Maybe that's what they were going for. They wanted to lighten that heavy moment with a little bit of visual comedy. Maybe um, I mean it's you know what's happening. You know this character is dying. Um, I mean he's a horrible creature that should be put down, but I don't know if we needed it to be the moment to be lightened. Um, if that was their intention, it worked. It does lighten the moment, but I don't know if I don't know if this is a moment that should be lightened. Um, but it's sort of. I mean, I mean, it's okay, but I would have rather not had that. And so that's basically the end of the first half of the movie, which comprised the whole of the movie Death of Superman. And it, I have to say that that portion is pretty. Um, that portion of the, that half of the movie is really well done, I think. And then we get the um, funeral. And for and for those of you who are wondering, um, the extended credits or the extended scenes, this is where we start to get some of those scenes, at least that I noticed. Um, you get a when during the funeral they're showing um, Batman mourning at his Wayne Manor, and then you get an insert shot of the Teen Titans morning and morning superman's death and that wasn't there and i don't think we need it i think that could have gone uh, that could have been left on the cutting room floor we're not introduced to these characters none of them speak we didn't need that moment um we get an insert shot after the funeral of wonder woman sort of standing at i th i think she's supposed to be standing at Themyscira, uh paradise island but i'm not entirely sure but the, you, you get an insert shot of wonder woman looking looking longingly at the moon and, and mourning Superman's death. Um, so those are a couple shots. You also get... Um, so in one thing that they did that was really cool in the Death Superman 
movie that was um, the the Death of Superman solo movie is that during the end credits you get the four scenes that tease it, that tease the coming of the Reign of the Superman. You get John Henry banging, his, you know, making his making his suit. You get Superboy leaving um, where he had been cloned. You get Superman's rocket, which had previously left um, Cadmus, which I didn't even mention Cadmus, but Cadmus is in here. It's pretty cool. And so Superman's rocket was at Cadmus, and it leaves, and it goes to the Arctic, and you get the Richard Donner fortress that gets built. Pretty cool. Um, and then you get the cyborg Superman flying through space, flying at the camera. And in the... In the solo movie, this is interspersed in the credits, sort of like mid-credit scenes for like Marvel movies, and it works really well. And you lose. I like this movie as an edited, edited together movie. I think it works really well, but you do lose some of that coolness of seeing these scenes, which I think work really well for the credits. Um, and then at the very end of the movie, as Cyborg, like the last scene, the end credit scene, as Cyborg Superman flying through space. He comes towards camera, and then it shows um, an S, a, su- a Superman symbol S, and then it turns into a, a bleeding S from the from the um, the collector's edition of Superman seventy five. I'm sure all of you would know the like bleeding S look that I'm talking about, and we don't get the bleeding S in the in the edited together version because there's no credits, there's no mid credits. The credits all happen at the end, and at the end it's sort of Superman has come back. Spoiler. Um, and so there's no reason to show the the bleeding S. So that was sort of a bummer. But um, one of the other extra added scenes is when Superboy is, is shown coming out of Cadmus. In the solo movie, he sort of walks out of the Cadmus uh, laboratory and that's it. But in this version, Lex is standing there. And uh, so you know that there's going to be involvement with Superboy and Lex. And so it works pretty well. I don't have any issues with that with that insert. So then we start then we start getting into the reign of the Superman portion of the story. And I have much fewer notes on this portion just because it, I like it I like the first half of this movie. So I guess the the third because the movie is divided into quarters, the third quarter of this movie um I think works really well, but the fourth quarter is not great in my opinion, and so I'll get to that in a minute though. But we have a scene of the Daily Planet staff, so just just a couple shout-outs here. Of, well, first you have Steve Lombard. Not a shout-out, but it is always interesting to me that Steve Lombard keeps showing up in media, even though he's not really a character in the comics. They brought him back briefly around when Jeff Johns was on the title, but you know he was basically that Bronze Age, WGBS Age um, character. But he keeps showing up in things, and so you got... You got um, um, Steve Lombard, but I love seeing Ron Troop. Ron Troop is here, and he gets called out by name, so you don't think it's just the generic black guy. It is Ron Troop, and I I I love Ron Troop. He more we need to get more Ron Troop. Um, you get a you get a woman uh, uh Daily Planet staffer named Sullivan. So shout out to Chloe Sullivan. Although I don't know if they want to be shouting out to Chloe given Allison Max's uh, current legal legal issues here. Um. And it's at this point that I realized, I don't know if I just missed it in the first half, but I realized at this point that nobody had knew that Lois and Clark had been dating. 
So that's super interesting, uh, no pun intended. Um, that it was a secret relationship. I didn't realize that till here. Another nitpick is that Cyborg Superman's S during this part could have been could have been yellow. It sort of gives it away because um, spoiler, just like in the comics, Cyborg Superman is the villain, and his S is black. And I think that sort of um, is a telltale sign that there's something something not quite right. Or so I don't think I think you'd get it right from the beginning that he's a, he's somebody to not be trusted. Shout out to Kelex. You see Kelex at the fortress. Um. One one thing that's really awesome, really super awesome, is that they introduce the four Supermen. They all get get introduced at this like um, this what was it? It was like a party. I believe well, there wasn't a party. It was some some function that left Lex Luthor had was had put together, and he in this version, just like in the comics, Superboy was working for him and was part of his team, and they had a um uh, corporate function. And it gets uh, it gets crashed by Cyborg and Eradicator and Steel, um, and they have a big fight there. But and then after that, you get sort of there's like a montage of the characters a little bit, and you get these newspapers that flash up, and they have these images, and the images are taken right from covers from the Reign of the Supermen. So very cool, I think. Really, really cool to see. Um, to see three or four of the covers of issues from Reign of the Superman depicted. Um, so that was that was really really cool. So one thing I want to say is, so you have Dabney Dabney Donovan, and he's doing, and the whole plot with how Superboy is created is is um, the doings, just like in the comics of of um, of, of Dabney Donovan, and and. Uh, one thing I would have liked to have seen is maybe Double X or some of the DNA aliens. D- DNA aliens? <laughs> kind of hard to say. From the comics. Uh, can I shout out to Rambo? Uh, some of the other... Some of the other... Um, some of the other... Um, um, the the Cadmus, Cadmus DNA aliens that we get in Superman Man of Steel 18. Uh, that would have been cool. The, the ones we get in the movie are... Just sort of generic monsters, pretty much, and eh, they—they—they. I think they—they—they had enough shoutouts and callbacks to the comics. They could have thrown us a bone and had another, had some more here. Um. So now the, the elephant in the room is the last quarter of this movie, where Cyborg is revealed as the bad guy, and you get Darkseid's involvement. And you have Cyborg wanting to have his Cyborg Force, I guess, and turn humans into cyborgs and and a way to bring Darkseid to Earth. And this is where I am not crazy about it. I mean, I know they weren't going to do... I mean, I guess they could have, but they didn't do War World and they didn't do Mongol. Um, so I just got to say, like, WTF with what's going on with this this Cyborg Force where... You get these cyborg turns humans into almost like Metron from the New Gods. They have these like Metron outfits, and I don't know what they're supposed to even be doing, but it goes off the rails with it. Um, and but you, during this, during while this is going on, you get a cool Steel and Eradicator fight in the fortress, and you get this is where you're introduced, or you get. 
this is where um, the real deal steel Superman is um, shown to still be that he was still alive and then he was in the, um, the eradicator was helping helping him um, power up and he comes back and he's got his black suit on long hair the black suit's cool something about the long hair and the way they gave him stubble i don't know it just doesn't quite work for me or the the, the design of the model with um the long hair on the superman just doesn't quite work for me but it's still cool to see the black suit superman done in a cool way and he's he gets um a bunch of guns and he's like loaded up with he's loaded up with all the with with with, with all his um guns very similar and he doesn't have powers so he's it's very mirrors it mirrors a lot of um what you have in at the end of the reign of the superman in the comics and so um but you don't get the cool you don't get um engine city and the destruction of coast coast city and that stuff would have been awesome in this especially since green lantern is in this um in in this movie but they probably just didn't want to go there maybe a little too heavy for this movie um destroying a whole city is millions of people dead so maybe they just didn't want to go there but i the whole route they went with with these um this dark side plot and dark side is responsible for creating cyborg superman through hank henshaw and his hatred of superman at thinking he let his wife die it just doesn't quite work for me um it just doesn't. I don't. I mean, it's way too involved the the origin from the comics or for this movie. But I don't know. Couldn't we have just let this be a self-contained story? Do we have to have Darkseid? And so they reference Justice League War, and then we get a after-credit scene that teases a future um, fight with Darkseid. I'm just not. I just am not crazy about it. Uh, what's funny is when Superman comes back. Um, Kelex in the uh, although he, he he never gets called Kelex in the in the in the movie, but Kelex in from the comics tells Superman that while he's healing, he needs to abstain from all sexual activity. <laughs> it's kind of funny. So you're just not used to seeing that in the Superman uh, cartoon. It is PG-13, but I gotta say, so during the Superman fight, he obviously is no spoiler. He gets back um, to Metropolis. And he's he has a big um, showdown fight with um, Cyborg, and he 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 takes way more damage. I mean, this is a, probably a criticism from the comics too, but he's not supposed to be powered at this point, and he takes way more damage than anybody who's who's depowered should be able to take. He's getting slammed, I think, at, slammed into walls, and I think at one point, um, Cyborg Superman even uses his heat vision. So, again, another nitpick from a Superman super fan. Um, one thing is Superman killed him in this in this version in a pretty cool way, too. He, um, one of the crystals from the fortress to the head. It's not quite as cool as how it is depicted in the comics. I like the, the arm, the, her arm through the chest and the shaking and, and uh, getting rid of Doom, uh, Cyborg that way and and in the comics, he acknowledges that the cyborg's consciousness is probably went somewhere else, and so he wasn't dead. But in this version, very much get the sense that um, Cyborg Superman is dead. So pretty final, pretty cool, pretty ballsy that they're willing to put Superman killing um, twice, <laughs> twice Doomsday, 
which I, I feel like we knew he was going to kill Doomsday. I mean, that happened in the comics, too. They, they both killed each other, but uh, pretty much flat-out kill Cyborg. Uh, pretty ballsy. I don't have a problem with it, but I'm sure there's lots of people out there who are who aren't who aren't crazy about that. Um, Martian Manhunter is the one who's responsible for un. So there is no Supergirl in this in 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 this comics or in this movie universe, and so Martian Manhunter, using his shape shape shifting powers, helps. That's how they help bring Clark Kent back and get the everything back to the status quo at the end of this movie. So that works really well. And one thing which I mentioned at the beginning is that we get a costume upgrade now that Superman's back. No longer. We don't have the new 52 high collar anymore. He's got the, like, um, collarbone um, style uh, um, uh, crew neck. I, the the traditional style um, neck of a Superman costume, and it looks, it looks really good. He also has a yellow S on the back of his uh, cape. So awesome there. So all in all, I think um, the suit looks a lot better once the movie's over. And so I guess it's time to probably wrap up on on this. Uh, And I think that this movie is definitely worth your time. I think it works much better as a two-parter, like edited together into one long movie. If you do you need to buy it if you own both the if the, if you own both the Death of Superman and Reign of the Superman? No, no, you definitely don't. And if you're like me, you probably wouldn't like I was. I always knew that I was gonna wait to the the extended full version that was to come out. And if, but if I had the two individual movies, I would just watch them back to back. Um, I have a. I wouldn't. I have a hard time imagining that I would just watch The Death of Superman without then just immediately popping in Reign of the Superman. And now that they've put them out as one movie, you don't have to. You get to just watch one seamless movie. And I think it works I think it works uh, pretty well. I would give it three and a half out of four stars. Maybe even three and... No, no, I was going to say maybe three and three quarters. But I will, I'll go three and a half. There's enough nitpicks that I have that it drops off that that half star but i definitely think it's worth your time and i thoroughly enjoyed it wish there was a theme a good a good rousing superman theme but there's not um but it's still it's still a pretty good movie it's still a pretty good movie um all around i'd say so let's move on to the booster gold portion of the show Alright, so this time out for Booster Gold, I am going to be talking about 52, 52. Um, I'm doing a reread of 52, um, partially for this show, partially just because I bought the issues, all of the issues off of 52 off eBay a while ago. I mean, three or four years ago, I was, um, was trying to like build up my collection of Booster Gold, and 52 is one of the quote-unquote, although I'm going to talk about that in a moment, one of the seminal Booster Gold storylines is from 52. 
and I hadn't I bought all the issues off eBay a while ago all 52 plus World War 3 and I'm working my way through a reread which I'm pretty, I'm finding pretty enjoyable I am halfway through so I am up to issue 26 literally halfway through if you don't count the World War 3 issues um and so I'm enjoying, but I want to talk specifically, obviously, uh, on this show about Booster Gold and his role and impacts in the in 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 the series. So the, my very first note here is that he is not in it as much as I remember. Um, in the first 26 issues, he is. He is not in, in if, if you don't count his origin, because they started to do the origin backups after they did the history of the DCU, if you don't count his origin, there are, of the first 26 issues, I did this count last night, there are 13 of them that don't even have Booster in them at all. So that's only half of the issues. And even in those issues, quite a few of them, he might only be in it for a page or two, Maybe even less, half a panel. Um, I mean, I mean, some issues he gets um, way more than that, but in general, he's not in it very much at all. The the booster gold. If you were to take out, if you were to cut out and make individual issues out of all of the booster gold material from the first half of fifty two, the first twenty six issues, you would maybe have an issue or two of material maybe so it is not nearly as much material as i remember um so so with that how well like how is the booster's portrayal and how is his storyline well i gotta say it's okay it is not as good as i remember i mean i i, I love the booster gold storyline just because I, booster seeing more booster gold is always a good thing Reading Booster Gold is always fun, but I gotta say, I th they really do a good job, which I think is the point. But they really do a good job of making uh, Michael sort of feel like a scumbag, a scumbag hero at the beginning of this. I mean, he's he's not in a good place. Ted Ted uh, um, Blue Beetle had died, you know, during um, Countdown to Infinite Crisis, and but here post Infinite Crisis, we find Booster Gold. Um, plastered all over his costume with endorsements from various companies and I gotta say I am not a huge fan of the in seeing the actual endorsements I know that it's part of Booster's character is he's supposed to be you know I sort of always think about him that he's a hero but if he can make money being a hero you know why not kill two birds with one stone but I feel like actually putting endorsements on your costume is going a little bit too far in being a shill, you know, in, in being a sellout. Um, but, I mean, it's okay. It it works for the story, because that's the point of what they're trying to show, is is how much of a not-hero and how much kind of a, uh, a joke Booster is. And but and they really do a, well, a good job. I don't even know how... I really fell in love with Booster during 52, and... It was because of 52, and I, to be honest, I can't remember how the second half of the story wraps up, so we'll see where it goes from here, but just going on these first 26, I'm wondering how somebody would get into Booster Gold and not think he is a horrible hero, 
because that's what he's portrayed as, which is the point of the story, I think, is to show how low he's gotten and then to build him back up. And so I think the second half, and I'm going to try to avoid too many spoilers here. I don't know why. This is an old series that if you haven't read, I mean, I'm spoiling everything else. I mean, partially I can't spoil it because I don't remember everything. So it's been that's been part of the fun of the reread is because I barely remember most of this stuff. And so it's almost all new. It's like reading it for the first time again. But I know the general gist that um, that Supernova is really Booster, which I can't remember how that works because they're Booster and Supernova. Um, spoilers, Booster dies. Um, and he dies in issue... He dies in issue... Um, let's see here. Issue, issue, issue... 15. Fif- issue 15 is... And that's one of the issues that was almost entirely the Booster Gold storyline. So that was cool. Um, but he died in issue 15. But he overlapped with Supernova. Supernova um, was around before Booster died. So I literally can't remember. Um, I know it's Booster, from, um, but I can't remember the specifics of that storyline. So it'll be interesting to see the see how that resolves. Um, what... And going back to how they're portraying Booster in this series, he's manufacturing crimes to, to um, you know, crimes to crimes to take care of. He pays he pays actors or at least one in particular to to um, to be a to be a villain and to commit crimes. And Booster gets to come in and save him. And I do not like this, Booster. Booster likes to make money and he likes to be a showboat, but he doesn't. In 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 my mind, his character he would not manufacture crime to 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 then be the one that solves it. Um, I'm just not a I'm just not a big fan of that. Um, so again, how did I become such a big Booster Gold fan based on this? I'm not entirely sure because I'm not loving the portrayal. I'm I'm really enjoying the storyline. Just reading Booster Gold is fun. But I keep thinking, like, this isn't the booster that I like. This isn't a booster that I feel like anybody would like. And But I, as I've said multiple times, I think that's the point of what the writers are trying to do. So he's exposed this, this fact that he's, that he's manufacturing crimes and paying actors to, to, to carry out crimes. He's exposed in issue number seven. Um, Supernova makes a saves in a pretty cool scene supernova saves clark kent who's in the story um as a uh, reporter because obviously during this period superman didn't have his powers in the one year later period um and so supernova saves clark in a pretty cool scene um i mentioned that he's only in he's of the 26 he's only in 13 of them and What's super? He dies in issue fifteen, as I mentioned, which the whole issue was pretty much um, centered around Booster's storyline. But he wasn't in five entire issues before he died. So I said he was exposed as a fraud in issue seven, and uh, and paying paying the actor to commit crimes in issue seven, and he dies in issue fifteen. As I said, his previous appearance in that was issue ten. He wasn't in the previous five issues before him dying. Like he, 
that's what I mean when I say there's long stretches where Booster is not in this, and it's not. It's just not the lack of Booster is not quite what I remember. I remember him being a bigger portion of this. I know there's an audio drama of Fifty Two, and I'm looking forward to listening to that because I'm curious. About, and I know that they cast a Booster Gold. Um, I know there's Booster Gold in that audio drama by Graphic Audio, and I'm curious how much of it's even how they adapted it, just in how they adapted 52 in general, but how they did the booster storyline, since it's so, so sporadic. Um, they introduced Daniel Carter, um, uh, Michael's Michael's ancestor in issue 18, and he goes on to be in Booster Gold Volume 2, and a character that we grow to, to really know and, and get invested in, and so his introduction is in issue 18. We really find out that um, Skeets is not what he's supposed to be. Skeets, something's going up with Skeets, and he's something. He's something's not quite right with Skeets. We really find that out for certain in issue number nineteen when Skeets and Daniel go to check out Rip's Rip Hunter's time lab, and um, Skeets Skeets says he knows and like sends Daniel into the into the future. And you know that you have basically evil skeets here. And I can't remember exactly how everything plays out. I know that Mr. Mind has taken him over, I believe. But I'll have to see towards um, towards as we get later on in the series. But that, this is a perfect time to record this episode since it's I'm smack dab right in the middle of the story. Um, so I thought it was a perfect time to, to talk about this on the show. Um, and so after the the series has two or three page backups um, that run throughout the series, and the, for the first six issues or so, you get the history of the DC universe um, with Donna Troy. But then after that, you start to get two page origins for um, one character per issue. And so in issue twenty four is when we get Booster's origin. Um, written by Mark Wade and drawn by none, none other than Dan Jurgens. Although I have to say that Dan's art in that issue is not the best. I, he can, he's definitely drawn Booster Booster better. Um, it's still it's always fun to see Dan Dan take a crack at right uh, drawing Booster. It's his character. Uh, it's always fun to see that. But the art here is sadly not on par with the majority I would even say of Booster Gold Volume 2. Uh not definitely not his not his best work. So as I said, you probably get if you took all of the Booster Gold content so far, you'd have maybe two issues of 52. It's been enjoyable. Booster's not portrayed in the best light, that's for certain. Currently what's going on is he's dead and we have um Supernova who was causing annoyance in in uh, Michael's life and um, showing him up, and we have evil evil skeets. So we'll see. We'll see. I will after I finish the remainder of the series, I will record another episode and talk about the second half of Fifty Two and see how it all resolves. Because I remember some things, but as I said, it's almost almost like um like reading this for the first time it's been pretty enjoyable but there is definitely less booster content than i remember
So that is it for this episode. So you can reach me at you can email you can email the show at bluegoldpodcast at gmail dot com. I'm also on Twitter, I believe at Blue Gold Podcast, although to be completely honest, I don't do much with Twitter. I'd love to have some feedback on the show. I'd love for anybody to write in. Let me know what you think of this show. Um, because I'm super excited to be back. This is the second episode I've been back since I've been back when I was barely when I was barely there to begin with. And it was super fun. Um, no pun intended again. So we'll see. I don't know what the next episode is going to be for either the Superman or Booster Gold portions. Um, I was going to talk about the, the interesting story of Action Comics number one reproduction covers, but that was going to be this episode, but I thought Death Death and Return of Superman, uh, a movie just came out, so I thought, oh, this is the perfect time, I was rewatching it anyways, perfect time to record my thoughts and get that episode get this episode out and I wasn't rereading 52 specifically for the show but I knew I could talk about the show or 52 on the show and I just hit issue 26 that I just finished and I knew I was going to be recording about um, Death and Return of Superman so I thought that was a perfect time to talk about 52 so we'll see what I talk about next time so until then have a super day (laughs) 